Have you ever picked weeds in your front yard? It's slightly annoying and sweaty, backbreaking work, but it's also kind of satisfying and it makes you feel good about your landscaping and it helps the bushes to grow and the HOA to not send notifications. And around here in Texas, at least, it's also a way to help keep snakes and spiders out. Now imagine trying to take care of a lawn that you've neglected for a couple months. The time that you'd have to spend pulling weeds, the tools you'd now need to help you yank the deeply rooted weeds, the gloves you'd have to wear, the length of time it might take to clear all of the weeds, and imagine having to cut down a dead tree that vines ended up taking over, or uproot a dead bush that the weeds took over, or then having to replace mulch where those things were and plant new grass seed and have to redo a bunch of your yard because you ignored it for so long. I want you to come into today's conversation with that picture in your mind because I think it'll help us keep the dirty work of removing what I call soul weeds in perspective and motivate us to do the necessary daily repetitive hard work. Today we're going to get into the nitty-gritty application of what we've been learning the past two weeks. And hey, if you want to pop your earbuds in and go actually pick weeds while you're listening, go for it. But go grab your coffee and get ready, because here we go. This isn't a game of ding-dong ditch, and don't worry, I'm not a solar panel salesman. I'm just here to see you, friend. Whether you have spit up stains and cluttered counters, or you're still in your heels from work and just getting dinner started, take a minute and come sit with me. Welcome to the JAR podcast with your host, Lydia, certified teacher, homeschool boy mom, oh Lord help me, and marriage ministry leader, bringing you tough lessons from my own journey to soul health and wholeness. Together each week, we'll discuss our struggles, pain, and shame. We'll combat labels and lies with biblical truth, and we'll work through our mess and come out stronger, more confident, and rooted in our identity in Christ. So move your pile of laundry over. Better yet, let me help you fold it while we talk. Thanks for letting me in. Now let's get real. I hadn't intended on this being a series or anything, but... It's just something that I realized needed to be unpacked a bit more to really be understood and actually implemented. So if you haven't listened to episodes 77 and 78 yet, those are some of the prerequisites for this. And this one won't fully make sense if you haven't listened to those just yet. So pause and go back and listen to that. This one as a standalone may come across as very tactical and sounds like a great action plan, but it's going to be short-lived and even kind of spiritually shallow if you just try to take these steps without having done the deeper soul work first. And I want these things to really be lasting changes, true, transformational, in your walk with the Lord, and not just behavior modification tactics. And real quick, before we dive in, If you're not a part of my Christian Wife and Marriage community on Facebook, come join us over there. We really help each other to do deeper work like this, and we also encourage each other and have fun in there. So click on the link in the show notes, or you can search for Christian Wife and Marriage community in Facebook, and it'll pop up. 
Okay, so assuming that you have listened to the previous two episodes, let's dig in. The past couple episodes have talked about um, reclaiming our identity in Christ and four steps to get you there. And then last week, we talked about some questions that help you to uncover these strongholds or false beliefs or lies that lead you to sin or that keep you from walking in that identity in Christ. Today, the practicality of removing these things is what we're going to be talking about. That takes some dirty work and it takes really getting willing to look at all that dirt that we have in ourselves and not ignore it, not sweep it under the rug, but really being willing to undo something, unlearn something, to purge something that's negative that we now understand is holding us back and really be willing to let it go. So today we're going to look at these four next steps to removing these idols and sinful tendencies and walk in obedience so that we can fully walk in our identity in Christ and not allow these things to tell us that we are something that we're not. So going back to one of the questions from last episode about identifying um, the strongest emotion that you go to or your your biggest one that you tend to, to experience like anger is step one is to name it or confess it and the questions from the last episode really help you to dig deeper than just saying or identifying the initial emotion like anger but really what's going on underneath the surface what is causing you to feel that way is it a sin that you're holding on to is it shame is it pride or self-righteousness whatever that is whatever you have uncovered so you may need to go back to whatever notes you took or something but now is the time to give a name to it now that you know what it is you can identify it and confess it and in James 5 16 it says therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working and i just want to let you know that yes you do need to confess things to the lord first and get right with him and allow him into this part of your heart that you really you've kept from him and you've allowed these so-called weeds to grow And it's the Holy Spirit that's going to help you to uproot those. But you need people in your life as well that can help hold you accountable or even get their hands dirty with you and help you to apply these things. And if you don't have someone in your life like that, that's what the community group on Facebook is for. You can confess those things in there safely and we can cover you in prayer and walk alongside you that way. would love to do that. And if you still need help in really naming the thing that you're, you identified the emotion and you, you can see that when it comes out, but you are struggling to really name what it is that's actually happening and then confess it, would love to help you there as well. And you know, part of naming it and confessing it is just understanding how simple that actually is. And it may feel complicated because maybe it's, it's new to you, but once you get the hang of it, it's so much easier. It's like that weed that starts to grow and you just know, nope, it's just part of what I do now. I'm just going to go 
pluck that thing right out and I'm not going to ignore it because I, I know the damage that it can do if it does grow and I also know that it's worth just keeping up with. And so it might look like in um, a prayer time with the Lord just saying, God, I'm so sorry that I have allowed my pride to get in the way, that I think that I am better or that I deserve this or that I've contributed to arguments with my husband because I think that my way is better and I just confess that and ask for your help. The next step is to acknowledge it. And the definition of acknowledge, well, there's several, but a couple of them say to recognize the authority, validity, or claims of, to indicate or make known the receipt of, or the realization of. So here, it's a matter of recognizing that that thing that has been holding you back, that shame you've been holding on to, that sin that you keep committing, is you have to recognize the authority that you have allowed that to have in your life. To recognize the validity or claims of, and maybe you've let this thing claim an identity for you, that this is who you are, or because of your past, because of your choices, you are now this person. And that's not what God says about you. And so we have to acknowledge where we've let that happen in our lives. And that second definition I read is um, to indicate or make known the receipt of. That means it's been a transaction, so to speak, and we have taken that receipt as proof that that's who we are. And we've walked around with this, that we've basically purchased or sacrificed to walk around with this false identity and we've accepted it when we need to uproot it and let go of it. John 14, 26 can help us to do this. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. And so Holy Spirit is the key to this realization, to this acknowledging of this new discovery of what you've been letting hold on to you or the false identity that you've been clinging to instead of being a daughter of the king and walking in freedom and being chosen and loved and all of those things that we talked about in previous episodes. You've been walking around with these labels that either are self-imposed or that the world has put on you and you've just come to accept it. And so now is the time to acknowledge it and see it for what it is so that we can do the next couple steps. Number three is to assign its power and limitations or its role in your life. Now let me explain because that might sound a little bit weird. But now is the time where you admit any fault in your or on your part. Is there something that you chose to do and you committed a sin and you have buried it for so long or ignored the damage that's been done? There is a point where there needs to be admission. There needs to be that recognition and acknowledgement and confessing it. It does need to be brought to the light, but it doesn't need to hold continued power over you. Satan likes to take your past and identify you by that and call you by that name, that that is who you are. 
But Jesus sees you not for what you've done, but calls you by your name. You may have done these things in your past, and you can't erase that. And that's going to be part of your story. Separation is in my marriage story. Near divorce, divorce papers is in my story. Mistakes and sins and hurt are in my story. And I recognize that. And I have admitted my faults in that. And I continue to as they're brought to my attention. And it's not fun. It can be really sad. But it's so key when it's brought to my attention now to identify it quickly and move through these steps so that it doesn't hold me back and it doesn't hold our marriage back and it can be short-lived and just something that actually helps us to grow like pulling a weed allows for more growth of the healthy things that we want to see grow and it's just part of the process now but when you are in this step in step three you are reassigning the power of whose voice you're listening to is it your mistakes this your sin satan whispering in your ear are you assigning power to those things in your past or are you putting them in their place their rightful place and putting god back in on the throne of your heart and assigning the power back to him saying no you are lord over my life and i've confessed these things and i know that you are showing me grace that you forgive me and you can walk in that freedom and not let those things be limitations on your growth and those things that used to hold power over you they are now talking points and i've, I've referenced this story in the bible um, before in previous episodes and i want to read this to you because i think it will really help hit this point so jesus is at this pool where people would go to to jump in when the waters did something um, to find healing and it was they would often lay there and the first one in would be healed and it was sort of a mad dash to the pool and there was this man who had been there he had been an invalid for 38 years and uh, this is coming from John 5 verses 1 through 8. Jesus sees him lying there and he had learned that he'd been in this condition for a very long time And he goes up to the man and he says, do you want to get well? And, you know, that question posed to someone who has spent their life as an invalid and is at this place where people go to get healed. It's kind of one of those questions of like, well, duh, what do you think I'm doing here? (laughs) But it really does kind of speak to when we let things hold power over us or we have identified as something for so long and we haven't turned to the one source our true healer that can actually do something about it and really transform us and heal us? It is kind of a duh question. Do you want to get well? Do you want to let go of that shame and that sin that keeps digging in and that keeps you from growing and from your marriage really getting better and from you finding freedom from whatever it is? Do you want that? In verse 7, The man replies, Sir, I have no one to help me in the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes in ahead of me. And maybe you felt that way too. Maybe you're like, well, yeah, I've tried counseling. I've tried this. I've tried that. And other people are getting well, but not me. How come, you know, other people are finding healing or it's just 
I just keep getting the short end of the stick. But then verse 8, Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And verse 9, at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. So first of all, I want to remind you that when you bring something to the Lord and when you actually lay it at his feet and go to him and not the other things that maybe the world says will help you to improve, like reading a self-help book to try these little tricks and things or um, just trying in your own strength to do differently. All that that's going to do is like this man at the pool where he was looking at everybody else and he wasn't going to the true source but the second that Jesus crouched down and looked him in the eyes and asked him that one simple question when you allow Jesus and Holy Spirit to look you straight in the eye don't look away don't pretend don't make an excuse let him look at you and then say yes I want healing he will essentially tell you, get up, take your mat, and walk. And the point that I would wanted to make with this is that this man who was just healed, he was told to pick up his mat, carry that mat, and walk. He didn't need that mat anymore. That mat was not something he had to lay on for years. And so you'd think, well, why did he have to take it with him? Why couldn't he just leave it there? But it was... At that point, an identification piece, a talking point, people look at him and go, wait a second, you're the, you've been laying here by this pool for years. You, you're the guy who was on that mat. What? You haven't walked at all. I've never seen you do this. And it's something that caused others to recognize the healing work that was done in his life and therefore glorify God and bring glory to him. And so whatever it is in your life that you have assigned power to and you have let be a a source of your identification, when you allow Jesus to take power back over your life and you assign that back to him, that mat, that sin, that past, that stain is no longer a limitation, but something to invite others into your story and tell them, that this is who I was, I'm not that anymore. I never was. I falsely gave that power to that thing or to my past or to that sin that I'd committed before, but no more. And so that brings us to point four. After all of these things, it's time to return all of this to your maker, to your creator. Whose image are you created in? Things like Jealous, angry, unwanted, overlooked, cheater, addict, screw up, wash up. Those are all labels. Those are all sins. Those are past choices, false identities, strongholds, things holding you back. What are the names that you have called yourself in the mirror? What are some names that people have called you? Those are labels. Those are labels that may hold some truth. There may have been some true uh, behaviors that were done and sins committed. And like I said, you can't undo those, but you also don't have to live under those labels. Those are removable. Those are replaced with the stamp. Like I said in a previous episode where the 
girl who had been at a concentration camp came back to her home, found her piano missing, and identified it down the street in a shop. And the only thing that allowed her to get it back was like the barcode or the ID number inside. And that led her to believe, what's my identity? What is the stamp on my soul? Who's going to identify me for who I am? And that's Jesus Christ. You were built and made and molded in his image. That is your stamp of identity. And these labels that are slapped on can't change the inside of who you are at the core, your soul, that image that you were made in, and the intricate ways that your DNA has been woven in his image. It's something that, sure, on the outside, people might see you as these things, but that's not who you are. That's what you've done. So I want to leave you with this. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and hindrance and sin that entangles us so closely and let us run with endurance the race set before us. Jesus calls us to run with endurance this race that is set before us, this marriage that we're in, this life that we're living. But how can we when our soul is entangled with these sins or these idols? This verse calls us to lay that aside and to untangle ourselves so that we can run. And so these steps that we've walked through in the past few weeks of identifying what it is and removing it and reclaiming our identity in Christ are all to help you run the race that God has set before you for who you are as an individual and what he has for plans for your life as a wife walking alongside your husband to be able to run this race with him and not hinder him and not hinder yourself in this unity that he's put you in and whatever other roles you have in your life. I encourage you to do this hard work. Be willing to get your hands dirty and pick those soul weeds out. I hope that this blessed you today and that you come and join the Facebook community and continue the conversation in there. Would love to see you there. Loads of love. Lydia. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. I'll see you next Saturday, same time, same place.